Hi, this is Lily, and I'm a member of the Beacon Church. Welcome to our podcast. We have temporarily suspended our in-person service and will be broadcasting live via our Facebook page, Beacon Church, and on our website, beacon.church forward slash live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. until further notice. Beacon is a non-for-profit, and if you shop Amazon, you can support the work at Beacon by selecting the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization, and a small portion of every purchase will help move our work forward. Remember to shop smile.amazon.com and select the Beacon Church of Long Island as your supporting organization. Thank you and hope to connect with you soon. Jesus' followers were gathered in prayer. They don't look like much. No one has accused them of overqualification. There isn't a theologian among them, not a single rabbi, scribe, or priest. Most of them are low class and blue collar. Take Peter, for example. His biggest catch in his life thus far has come with fins and gills. Odd, the guy pegged to lead the next great work of God knows more about bass boats and boat docks than he does about Roman culture or Egyptian leaders. In his cronies, Andrew, James, and Nathaniel, never traveled farther than a week's walk from home, haven't studied the ways of Asia or the culture of Greece. Do they have any formal education? In fact, what do they have? Humility? They jockeyed for cabinet positions. Sound theology? Peter told Jesus to forget the cross. Sensitivity? John wanted to torch the Gentiles. Loyalty? When Jesus needed prayers, they snoozed, and when Jesus was arrested, they ran. Thanks to their cowardice, Christ had more enemies than friends at his execution. Yet look at them. Six weeks later, crammed together into the second floor of a Jerusalem house, just waiting and wondering what in the world Jesus had in mind with his final words, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you will receive power. Imagine all the promises Jesus could have made. He could have promised them immediate success or the absence of struggle or disease or a certain level of income or popularity. Instead, he promised them the perpetual empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the same hand that pushed the rock from the tomb can shove away your doubt. And the same hand that stirred the still heart of Christ can stir your flagging faith. The same strength that puts Satan on his heels will defeat Satan in your life. The Holy Spirit certainly did this on the day of Pentecost. He transformed a band of common people with common weaknesses into a powerhouse known as the early church. And he will do the same in your life if you walk in step with where he is leading. They say that misery likes company. And I think they're right. This idea that misery loves company. Now, I don't mean they're right in the sense that we normally use this phrase, though. We normally use this phrase to talk about this weird, unusual urge that we have that, like, when we're upset, we want to drag other people into our pain. It's like, well, if I'm not going to be happy, I don't want you to be happy either. Uh, that's not what I mean. What I mean is that 
misery, when we're in the, the depths of misery, the only thing that can make it worse is having to go through it alone. Nobody wants to go through these dark seasons alone. And we know that struggles and trials and difficulties and grief are inevitable in this life. But we don't have to go through it alone. And we desperately don't want to go through it alone. But what do we do? What do we do when the people that we usually go to, go to for comfort, comfort, the people that we go to to empathize with us and support us and encourage us in those dark seasons aren't available in the midst of our dark seasons. Like, what do you do in a season like this where we're under quarantine and, and the anxiety and the grief and the stress is kind of piled upon us and, and that person that you usually go to for comfort, you can't go and sit with them. And like, sure, you can call them on Zoom and you can see their face, but it's not the same, right? Because you desperately want a hug <laughs> and you can't get a digital hug, not yet at least, right? Or, or what do you do when the person that you usually go to for comfort, the person who you usually go to to kind of lift you back up, is the very person that you've spent the last two months trapped in a house with, and they're the one who is causing you grief right now. Like, they're the last person you want to go to now because they're the person that's causing you the trouble in your life, and you're stuck there. Or, or what do you do when the, the people that you usually go to for comfort and support are just so overwhelmed themselves that they have no emotional energy left to care for you? And every time you even try to reach out to them, you just feel like you're getting shut down. Or, or what do you do when that person who you go to for comfort isn't there anymore? They're the person that you're currently grieving I remember asking this question myself several years ago when I, I lost my mom because, you know, moms are the best at giving comfort. Like nobody is able to kind of wrap their arms around you and make you feel safe and comfortable again like a mom can. And I remember losing my mom and thinking like, you're the person that I go to in these seasons. Who am I supposed to go to now? And I know I've talked to some others of you who've lost mom. Some of you even lost mom late in life and you can kind of relate to this season. It's like, who do you go to when that person you usually go to isn't available in these, these times of misery? And we are continuing in our series today of unshakable hope. And we're going to be looking at the disciples and they find themselves in a moment where the person that they are going to go to for comfort is going to leave them. Before he does, he tells them that they're going to face hardships like they've never experienced before. And they're going to do it without him. And we're going to look at this sort of longer conversation between Jesus and his disciples that's captured in John chapter 14 to 16. And as we, we look at this kind of larger conversation, we see Jesus tell them that they're going to experience persecution and hatred. They're going to even die on account of him. And he says all of this and he says, oh, by the way, I'm not going to be there when this happens. I'm taking off. And I can only imagine what the disciples are hearing as Jesus is saying this. Thinking, you know, hey, hey, I'm not going to be standing by your side when your family tells you that they hate you and to leave. You know, John, John, I'm not going to be there and my shoulder won't be available for you to cry on when you hear the news that your brother James has just been murdered. Peter, Peter, I'm not going to be there to hold your hand as you're walking to the place of your execution. You're going to go to all of these places without me. And we see in John 16 that this caused the disciples tremendous grief. 
And Jesus responds to it in the most shocking way that I could imagine. See, Jesus turns to the disciples and he acknowledges their grief. He says, you're filled with grief because I've said these things to you. Then he says something I would never expect. He says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. It's for your good, (laughs) right? Just to, to get the weight of what Jesus is saying here, I wanted to throw a few different translations of this verse, right? Because the ESV, it says, it's to your advantage, The HTSB says it's to your benefit. The NLT says it's best for you. The NLV says it is better for you. Jesus says to them, it is better for you that I leave. And and for me to think it is better? What in the world could be better than having Jesus in the flesh standing beside me, especially as I'm going through difficult seasons in my life? How could anything be better? I don't know if you guys have watched the, uh, the new TV series, The Chosen, yet. Oh my goodness. So normally I hate these things, uh, just because I'm, I'm super jaded and a lot of times they're really cheesy or they're like heretical, one of the two. This one's just good. And so I, I watch and the whole time, like my biggest takeaway is like, Jesus is awesome. Like I would love to spend one day with Jesus, like watching him do what he did and teaching and he's just the coolest. I want to spend a day with Jesus. And here's Jesus saying, no, no, no it's better that I leave you or, or you know, we have discipleship classes coming up this week. Uh, a few months ago, we brought in a guest teacher for our discipleship classes for the first time. He was a, a professor from Nyack College, and he came. And you know, we had the highest attendance for any single discipleship class ever when we brought in this, best, this guest speaker. Imagine if I announced that this Wednesday's class was going to be taught by Jesus, right? Like even with quarantine, I think everybody would try to gather here to see Jesus. And like, you know, maybe afterward, he'll take a stroll over to LIJ and just rid the ICU of coronavirus because that's what Jesus can do, right? And Jesus says, no, 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 it is better that I leave you. What in the world could possibly be better than having Jesus here in the flesh? And this is what Jesus says. He says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says that he's going to send the advocate. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. And he says, it is better that I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send him. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And you know, I it's hard for me to believe. It's hard, and I'll admit, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the truth that it is better to have the Holy Spirit with me than it is to have Jesus in the flesh with me. But, but Jesus believed it. And as we look into this conversation between Jesus and his disciples in John's, John 14 to 16, Jesus actually draws out three reasons why the Holy Spirit with us is even better than having Jesus here in the flesh. And the first reason is that God inside you is better than God alongside you. God inside you is better than God alongside you. So Jesus, he says, if, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth he says, for he lives with you and will be in you. Commentators point out how important it is that Jesus says, he says, another advocate. Another. This word another is important. Because imagine if I were to say to you, hey guys, next week I won't be preaching, which is true, I won't be, tell your friends. Uh, and, and I said, another pastor is going to be preaching next week. 
if you, you tuned in next week, you wouldn't expect a toddler to be standing here on the stage with the camera on them. No, you would expect another pastor. You would expect someone who's distinct from me, but similar to me, who has similar qualifications and similar training and similar equipping. So when Jesus says he's going to send another advocate, he's talking about somebody who is distinct from him, but similar to him, similar in essence. And, and when he says, he says, for he will live in you. And I, I want to just hit this real quick because sometimes we can talk about the Holy Spirit in a way like he's this impersonal sort of power in the world. Like he's, he's this electrical current that maybe we can tap into as believers, but he, he isn't a force, all right? It's not like he's the force from Star Trek, right? Star Trek is where you get the, the force from? No, I know. It's Star Wars. I just love to, you know, make all the Star Wars fans out there uncomfortable. But it's not like he's the force kind of out there that we get to tap into and like, may the force be with you. May the spirit be with you. No, no, no. He is a person. And the Holy Spirit dwells with us. And not only is he a person like Jesus, but he is a person like Jesus in the sense that he is fully God. The full divinity that was in Jesus is also within the Holy Spirit. He's another advocate, just like Jesus. And he's not just with you, he will be in you. All right, so now you have the same power and presence of God that was with Jesus in the flesh is now dwelling in you, not alongside you, but in you. And this is so important because he's fully in me and he's fully in you and he's fully in the person in the house, you know, a mile away who's also tuning into the stream right now. He's fully in all of us. And, and think about it for Jesus. When Jesus came in the flesh, Jesus clothed himself with human limitations, meaning that Jesus was in one place at a time. He wasn't here and there simultaneously. Even, in fact, even a couple of weeks ago, Robert was preaching and the disciples found themselves in a storm. Meanwhile, Jesus was up on a mountainside. And in that moment, the disciples were worried because Jesus wasn't there with them in the flesh because Jesus wasn't in two places at, two, at once when he was here in the flesh. He took on those human limitations, which means imagine if I said, hey, Jesus is going to join us for church today. What in the world would that even mean? Would it mean that he'd be here with me in this room? Would it mean that he'd be at your home with you or at the home of somebody else? Because if Jesus was with one person or, or with the disciples, he wasn't with thousands and thousands of other people. And he was with somebody else. He wasn't with the disciples. But with the Holy Spirit in you, he is fully in you and with you forever. And he's fully in me and with me forever. And so right now, even though we are the church scattered, the Holy Spirit is dwelling in, fully in Christians around the globe. Because having God in you is better than having God alongside of you. But there, this goes even further. Another thing we see in this passage is that knowing Jesus in your heart is better than seeing Jesus with your eyes. Knowing him in your heart is better than seeing him with your eyes. If you read through the Gospels, you uh, get this picture of the disciples and they are often confused, right? And they, they don't quite fully understand who Jesus is. And even in this passage that we're talking about right now, like this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. And then even after Jesus resurrects from the dead and they see him, there's still this confusion. And then you go to Acts 2. 
And you read about the apostles in Acts 2, that's where Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit comes on them with power. And you realize that the, the disciples knew Jesus better after 10 minutes with the Holy Spirit than after three years with Jesus in the flesh. Because this is what the Holy Spirit does. He actually takes the truths about Jesus and he, and he reveals them to our hearts in a way that even seeing Jesus with our eyes can't do. And this is what Jesus even says to the disciples in this passage. In John 14, he says, The Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things and he will remind you of everything I have said to you, right? Everything that Jesus has said to them, the Holy Spirit is going to remind them of. Or in the next chapter, he says that the Holy Spirit, he will testify about me, that he's going to testify about Jesus. And in the next chapter, he says, he will guide you into all the truth. But what truth is he talking about? He says he will glorify me. He's going to, the Holy Spirit is going to glorify Jesus in them because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So this truth that the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into is the truth that comes from Jesus. It's the truth of Jesus. And he's going to reveal it to the disciples so that Jesus will be glorified. This is what the, the Holy Spirit does in our lives is he reveals Jesus. The Holy Spirit, all right, the Holy Spirit is obsessed with Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves to glorify Jesus. In fact, when the Holy Spirit is at work, one of the, the telltale signs throughout scripture is when the Holy Spirit is at work is Jesus' name is being lifted high. This is immediately what happens when the, the apostles receive the Holy Spirit. They just start preaching about Jesus. Like very rarely will somebody be filled with the Holy Spirit and start talking about the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit likes to draw attention to Jesus. And he does this in a way that doesn't just go to our minds, it goes to our hearts. He testifies about Jesus to our, our hearts in this really profound way. It's why the apostle Paul, he, he says in Romans and Galatians that the Holy Spirit, he testifies with our spirits that we're God's children. Like somehow the Holy Spirit is testifying to our spirits, like deep into our core to let us know what the work of Jesus has accomplished for us. And then there's this, this awesome prayer in Ephesians. And it's probably, it's one of my favorite prayers in all of scripture. And this is what the apostle Paul prays over the church in Ephesus. He prays uh, that out of his glorious riches, he was talking about the father. He says, I pray that out of the father's glorious riches, he, the father may strengthen you with all power through the spirit. All right. So he prays that the, the spirit's power is going to come upon, upon them in their inner being so that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. So he's praying that the Spirit will allow Jesus to dwell in their hearts through faith because this is the work of the Spirit. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, that's again, power from the Holy Spirit, together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how high and how long and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love, catch this, to know this love that surpasses knowledge right? How do you know something that surpasses knowledge? Like, what does that even mean? But what he's talking about here is he, he takes the truths about Jesus and, and the love that Jesus has for you. And look, we're, we're here gathered. Uh, I expect pretty much everybody watching the stream knows on some level Jesus loves them. We could rehearse these truths over and over and over again. Uh, and we might know it up here, but what the Holy Spirit does is he takes those things and he, he sinks them deep in our hearts so we can actually grasp it even just a sliver of it, that we can grasp how loved we are by Jesus. Because this is what the Holy Spirit does in us. He testifies to who Jesus is. He reminds us of what Jesus says. He glorifies Jesus in us by revealing the truth about Jesus to the depths of our hearts in a way that even you can't teach it in a book. 
And, and the disciples, they didn't, they didn't get it after three years of being with them, but with just a few moments of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, they were like, I know who this Jesus is. This is the work that he does in us. And knowing Jesus in your heart, it, it is better than seeing Jesus with your eyes. And this is especially true in the moments where there's, there's pain and misery in our lives. It's so true because uh, if you've walked through grief yourself, and I know many of you have, you know that one of the most pressing questions when you're going through those dark times is, where is God in this? How could he let this happen? Even if you know better, even if like your theology is intact, there's still this questioning in your heart, like, God, do you love me? And, and in a sense, you almost end up grieving two things. You're grieving whatever it is you've lost, but you're also kind of grieving this sense of losing God's love and his favor because you just feel like maybe he abandoned you. But then comes the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus to your heart. And he, he reveals things in a way that goes beyond the mind, in a way to, to know and grasp the love of Jesus in your life. And I, I will testify to this myself. I remember in those, you know, immediate moments after my mom passed, thinking that question before of like, who do I go to for comfort? But then being surprised in the weeks and days and even months uh, after this, the Holy Spirit did this work in me so much so that I, I can honestly say in those like, the, the season surrounding the loss of my mom, I never felt more loved by God. Like it was, it was palpable. It was like he, he just wrapped me up and I can't even like describe it. It wasn't like me being strong or me being like super faithful. Like I, it wasn't any of those things. It was the Holy Spirit doing this work, it reminding me of who Jesus is and letting me grasp even just a, a sliver of how much he loves me. I, I remember I ran into a friend who I hadn't seen in some time, and this was a couple weeks after my mom had passed, and she asked me how I was doing, and she didn't realize that my mom had just passed, and so I start to, to tell her what had happened, and she, she thought I was joking. She thought it was like some weird, twisted, morbid joke, because there's there genuinely this like glow about me, even in the midst of that grief, because... I just felt so alive in the spirit because I knew how much God loved me and I could feel it. And it wasn't, it wasn't like I didn't feel the grief in that moment. Of course, I mourned and I wept and all of that. But it was like at the same time, it hurt just a little bit less because I was in his embrace. It's like when my daughter, she, she'll fall like all the time because she's learning to walk and all of that stuff uh, and she'll get hurt and she'll cry and, and there'll be pain and I'll swoop her up in my arms and me swooping her up in her arms, it doesn't make the pain go away, but for some reason it just, it seems like it hurts just a little bit less. And that's what it's like when the Holy Spirit is in you revealing to your heart who Jesus is in these dark moments. It's like just being wrapped up in his embrace. It's amazing. It's incredible. But it, it still goes even further. There's one more reason why having, Jesus, having the Holy Spirit inside you is even better than having Jesus alongside of you. And that's because Jesus did something for you. The Spirit does something through you. In John 15, Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, and when he says I remain in you, he, he's talking about the Spirit remaining in you. He says, you will bear much fruit. You will. It's not that Jesus is going to bear this fruit. He says, you are going to bear much fruit because he, through the Spirit, is going to do something through you. 
Now, it was great. Jesus came and he did something for us. It was something that we could never do on our own. We desperately needed Jesus. We couldn't even contribute anything to that. But that work is done. It is finished. We don't need Jesus to do that work again. What we need now in this state is we need the spirit to come in us and do something through us. And he wants to do something through you so that you can bear fruit. He goes on to say, talk about this fruit. He says it's fruit that will last, this eternal lasting kingdom fruitfulness that the Holy Spirit is going to bring through you. And like, yes, if we could have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that would be great. If we, like, who wouldn't want both? But that's going to be heaven. Right now, though, it is better to have the Holy Spirit so that he can empower you to do something through you. So for me, uh, here's a, an illustration that helps me think about it. Uh, so October 5th and October 6th are two of the most important dates in my calendar. Because October 6th, 2008, is the day that my mom, uh, she passed away. But October 5th, 2013, it's like five years later, minus a day, I married Lindsay. And in those, those two days, there was this loss, but there was also this incredible gain. Now, if, if I had the choice, I would love it if I could have my mom and my wife in the same world at the same time. Some of you are like, ah, be careful what you ask for because, you know, you're like, wives and mother-in-laws, they don't always get along. I think mine would. Uh, <laughs> but if I could have both of them, like, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, that's going to be heaven. But if I had to make a choice between having my mom or having my wife, I would pick my wife every day of the week. Because as an adult man, I don't need a mom anymore. I need a wife. I don't need a mom. I mean, moms are great at doing things for you. And when I was a child, I needed my mom to do things for me. In fact, one of my favorite memories of my mom, and I've shared this with some of you before, but it was when I was in eighth grade. Uh, my school did a Halloween parade, and I decided I wanted to be Superman for the Halloween parade. I made this decision the day before the Halloween parade. So I came home from school and I started working on this costume and my parents had this event they had to go to in Jersey so they weren't around for any of this and so I'm working and I do the best I can and it's not great. Like I had a towel, I just grabbed like a red towel, it wasn't even like red, it was kind of like burgundy towel and I was just gonna like tie it around my neck, there was my cape. I went to bed, I woke up the next morning and I found that after my mom had gotten home, they got home at like one in the morning, she stayed up and she remade my Superman costume for me. So I woke up and there was this nice Superman costume, a new cape and a belt and all of this stuff. And, and it was amazing. And I, it was like one of these really sweet stories. But when I was a kid, that's what I needed. I needed my mom to step in and do for me the things that I couldn't do myself. But as an adult, I don't need that anymore. So several years later, I was up again late one night working on a costume because that's how Trevor's plan for things in life. They do it the night before. Uh, and this time, though, I was with Lindsay. And that night, Lindsay gave me something. It's probably one of the best gifts I think I've ever received. She taught me how to use a sewing machine. Oh my goodness. Guys, it was life-changing. I felt like I was unstoppable. I could sew for days. I could make pretty much anything. And I, I, I did. Like, I, look at all, I made all these costumes because my wife came alongside me and she empowered me to do something so that I was able to produce something. I could never could have done this on my own. Like if I was sitting there hand-stitching, I would like, still be there. And, and yet she came alongside me. She empowered me to do something through me. Because that's what I need at this stage in, in my life. And it, I think it's similar for us. If we could have Jesus and the Holy Spirit right now, like, of course. But if we had to pick between the two, 
having the spirit with you is better because he is going to empower you to do something through you, to produce fruit, kingdom fruit that you can never produce on your own. But with him, you are going to be able to produce fruit and it's fruit that will last. And this is what we see happen to the disciples, right? The Holy Spirit comes on them and these guys that for three years, they were just these bumbling idiots seem to all of a sudden like have their act together and the whole world starts to change because the Holy Spirit is empowering them to produce fruit. And he wants to do the same thing in you. But there's, there's one more piece to this. Because if you noticed, there's a condition. Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. There's an if statement there, right? Now, notice, notice he says, if you remain in me, he says, and, all right? So it's not that if you remain in me, then I will be in you, all right? So it's not like we could earn the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, if he's in us and we're in him, all right, then we can position ourselves, right? So it's not about earning the Holy Spirit. It's about positioning ourselves to experience the presence of the Holy Spirit. He says, if you remain in me. And then he goes on and he explains what that looks like. He says, if you keep my commands, then you'll remain in my love. So what does it look like to remain? It's to keep his commands. A couple verses later, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for a friend. So Jesus says, if, if you want to remain in me, obey my command. And my command is this, love each other. If you want to experience the, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, that power inside of you that goes with you always, that power that's going to be revealing to your heart who Jesus is so you can grasp how much he loves you as you go through this life. And this power for you to produce fruit, to do things you could never do on your own. Jesus says the way you position yourself for this is to love each other, to, to devote yourselves to loving each other. Not just in, you know, having warm, fuzzy feelings, but to love each other as we have been loved with this greater love that lays down our lives for our friends. See, every follower of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And I love the way that Max Lucado puts it. He says, you know, you can have the Holy Spirit without the Holy Spirit having you. Does the Holy Spirit have you? Because this is how we position ourselves so that the Holy Spirit wraps us up and takes us along in the power and presence that he has. It's by, by devoting ourselves to loving each other sacrificially, laying down our lives for each other. You know, it, if you take the sewing machine, for instance, uh, this sewing machine is great. It's amazing what can happen with this sewing machine, but it will do absolutely nothing if I'm not feeding fabric into it. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus didn't give us the Holy Spirit to just kind of come alongside us and make us comfortable in this life. He gave us the Holy Spirit so that as we feed our lives through the Holy Spirit by pouring ourselves out for other people, that's when he, he takes over and he does this work in us and through us. And it, it's incredible. Francis Chan, he, he says it like this. We are most alive when we are, are loving and actively giving ourselves because we were made to do these things. It is when we live like this that the Spirit of God moves and acts in and through us in ways that on our own we are not capable of. 
This is our purpose for living. This is our hope. And it truly is an unshakable hope that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Won't you pray with me? Father, it's just the most incredible gift that you would give to us your empowering presence through your spirit, God. The Holy Spirit of God dwelling in our hearts. It's, it's crazy. I know I don't deserve something like this. I know I could never earn this. I know this is just beyond grace, God. And I pray for, for each of us your spirit will help us know and understand and appreciate how great this gift is. That it, it is actually even better, God. That having your, your spirit in us is even better than if Jesus was standing right next to us in the flesh. God, it's, it's the best gift. And, and I pray that your spirit will do this work in our hearts to reveal who Jesus is to testify about him, to remind us of the things that he says, to glorify Jesus in our lives by leading us and guiding us into the truth of who he is and what he's done for us, God, and that through all of that, we would have this power together, together with all of your people, <clears throat> this power to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is this love of Jesus and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, God. To know it deep in our hearts, <clears throat> not in a, a way that we could read about or even talk about, but in a way that is experienced and felt, a way that brings joy and life, even in the midst of darkness. God, to know this love, there's absolutely nothing like it. But we also know we are powerless to get there on our own. And so we pray, Father, fill us with your spirit today. Let us know this love as we walk through the darkness. May you be the company that we long for. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.